You're listening to The Self-Advocate on CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM with your host, Allison Klein. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Allison Mira. Eoch Tanuyap. Kwiget Yuans Kwiens Na. Hi, everybody. My name is Kwiget Yuans. I'm a member of the Squamish Nation and the Yagalanis Clan of the Haida Nation. You're listening to Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. We live, work, play, and broadcast from the traditional, ancestral, and unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh Nations. This episode, there are two events coming up. One is happening right now, and another which is coming up at the end of April, the beginning of May. The first event, like I said last episode, is Autism Awareness Month which is all of April. And the second event that's happening at the end of April, the beginning of May, is the Festival of Literary Diversity, which is happening in Hamilton, Ontario, April 30th to May 7th. But first, let's put on our theme song, Possibilities by Key Sarah. just heard is Possibilities by Key Sarah. Key Sarah is a mother-daughter duo from Ontario, and the daughter who is singing is on the autism spectrum. You're listening to The Self-Advocate on CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM with your host, Alison Klein. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Alzamira. The first event that I'm going to be talking about on this episode is Autism 
Awareness Month, which is all of April. And I'm going to be talking about the Voices of Autism podcast with SF Walker. Thank you so much, SF, for being on my show. Thanks for having me. I love talking about our podcast, The Pulse Podcast. I love it. That's such an amazing name. Thanks. We have a good team put together our uh, marketing there for that one. I had nothing to do with that. It's the whole team that made, made it. Yeah. What inspired creating this podcast, The Pulse? What was the driving force for this? So that's a great question. We used to have a lot of inquiries that we were finding were were maybe difficult questions to answer in one email or, you know, things people wanted us to come and talk to their class or their business or their social group. And so we thought, well, let's take all of these questions and really get into them on how to answer them as a group from our perspective so that we can spread these answers and these discussions a little bit further and share the information with the community, with anyone who wants to to listen to it and hear that information. I never knew that, like spreading the information beyond one classroom at a time. It's for everyone. Yep. How did you get involved, SF, with this project? I had a brainstorm one night. I suffer from insomnia and I had a brainstorm and I thought, hey, let's do a podcast. That would have been so much fun. It's, it's been a lot of fun. It's hard work, as you know, but yeah, it's a lot of fun. And it's that one random Tuesday. Who is on your team for this podcast and how did they join? Why did they join the podcast? So we have um, some talkers in our team, um, people who just love to talk. And I thought, well, this is great. You love to talk. We've got important things to say. We have great conversations. Let's just make these public. So uh, um, I asked the entire team, <clears throat> all of the self-advocates, who wants to do this with me? And the people who I thought would be interested were interested. And so we took just a core group of us, four of us, and we started this podcast. Um, we've had various hosts and guest hosts come on. Um, and we've got a new host right now who's not part of the VOA. <clears throat> Pardon me. And they're just an amazing addition. Someone from the community we managed to connect with. And yeah, we're able to reach that many more people just by existing and saying, hey, we've got this thing. Who wants to come talk? That sounds like a real community and real self-advocacy kind of group to, to mean, talk about this. It's one of the things you can do that's free, right? It's one of the few things you can do for the whole community that's free. It's just giving up your time. I bet it's a lot of fun to hear other people and you go, I don't have to educate. These people are being able to educate. Yep. There's a lot of editing out. I'm sure you know there's a lot of, um, let's see, uh, a lot of that to edit out. A lot of that to edit out. It takes a while, but it sounds amazing by the end, doesn't it? So the unique thing about our podcast is we also have a YouTube channel and we'll take the podcast episodes and then set them to videos and images. And actually we have um, two ways that you can access the podcast now. So you can watch it or you can listen to it on the go. That's really important to be able to watch it and listen to it. So there's multiple modes of listening. Yeah. Or- and, you know, you're aware with, with YouTube, you can add closed captioning. So if you need to see the actual script of what's being said, of course, it's right there. Something that I probably should do eventually after I finish my education is put it onto YouTube. Yeah. And you're the manager of the Voices of Autism. Correct. What is the Voices of Autism? (laughs) That's a good question. Um, We started in 2016 when the Pacific Autism Family Network was just getting off the ground and um, building the center actually in Richmond. We were asked by the founder if we would like to start an advocacy group as an advisory team to the PAFN. So they wanted our opinions on programming, on building design, on how to interact with the community. So they threw us together and we're like, okay, SF, you got to find some people to run this program and decide what this program is even going to be. So it was kind of like, you're an advocate. We're going to get some advocates together and go. 
So there was really no like specific tasks or jobs that we had to do. And it was kind of like, all right, SF, you got to really put your thinking cap on. And so we were able to come up with all kinds of different great activities. But the thing that we're most proud of is our birthday parties. The Voices of Autism throws a inclusive and inclusive birthday party once a month. And that's something that we've been real excited to advertise on the podcast, but we've also got a couple of guests from those parties. And so, you know, we're able to sort of put it all together and pull it all in. We had a speaker series we used to do. We would hire speakers to bring into the center. They would present on whatever it was the community was asking for. Now we can do that in our podcast. So it's much quicker. We're not having to fly people around. Um, the conversations can flow much easier because we can you know, do the editing thing. Um, so we started really as a group to provide our advice and input from the autistic perspective. And then we decided we were going to expand and we decided to do community projects. And we, and we did, <clears throat> we do school presentations. Um, you know, we volunteer at events. We do all kinds of great stuff. We're just, we're in, we're in the mix. You know, we try to get our, our little paws and everything. I love how it's an advisory and it's from self-advocates really inputting their feedback. How are the birthday parties inclusive? You mentioned inclusive a couple of times. Mm -hmm. um, so they're inclusive because you don't need to have a diagnosis. And if you want to come to a birthday party, you can come to a birthday party. You can be 89, you can be nine, you can be nine months. If you wanna to come to a birthday party, you can. So the whole reason the birthday parties were started is because a lot of kids, um, a lot of autistic kids and adults don't get invited to birthday parties or they have a birthday party and no one shows up. So there's all these parties happening around them in their, their classrooms. They're all doing, you know, they're making their plans and they have sleepovers. They have this and that. And a lot of times the autistic kids are just left out of that. And everyone deserves a birthday party. They want to go to a party, come have a party. So we do this once a month. And it doesn't matter if it's your birthday. Want to come to a party? Come to a party. But if it is your birthday, gifts for you. So, um, you know, we kind of try to make it a little bit special for the birthday person. But in terms of being inclusive, it's for everybody. And when I'm setting up the guests, what I'll do is I'll ask them about sensory concerns, um, flavors, allergies, they have any heroes. Um, do they love a specific song? Can they not handle music? You know, what is it? Do they need their own private space? And then we'll set the party up based on those parameters. It sounds a lot more inclusive to be able to have all the sensory and diet considerations within the, the party itself. Yeah. I remember not being invited to birthday parties and it was awful. It was or if you awful. were, you felt weird and like uncomfortable and like you didn't belong. Yeah. So we're yeah. not going to have any of that at the center. No one's going to feel like they don't belong. Everyone belongs. That's right. And it's a lot more fun that way. And we have like jobs. So I have a job. It is a job for party people. So I've got volunteers, kids and teens that come in just to be party people. We want to build up. If we only have one or two guests, well, gosh, that's not exactly a birthday party. But if we have one or two guests plus some kids and teens that love to have the social interaction, then you've got more opportunity for a bigger party. And that doesn't necessarily mean louder and loudier, just more people to have the party flow. And have fun. Yeah. And, you know, do you want to go to a birthday party for you and like two people are there? Or do you want to go to a birthday party for you and there's tons of people around and they're all doing their own thing and there's games and there's popcorn, all kinds of fun stuff. Um, so that's why we do that. And it sounds like having people, a lot more people around who want to be there instead of just going, I have to be here. Yeah. And I will actually sign off on volunteer hours. We had a four-year-old in there who was coming to be a party person. And I wrote down on a little piece of paper, a little form that she had volunteered for two hours um, at this party. And at four years old, you're like, who cares, right? It's a, it's, a, it's a volunteer, it's a party, whatever. Kid's not volunteering. 
Yes, they are. And you start them at four volunteering. That kid, by the time they're in eighth grade, is going to be running volunteer events. Because they have the exposure. And, and they've they seen so that their work is credited, right? You, you did this work. I'm going to recognize that for you. And you can tell other people that it's official. You did this work. You did this job. And you had fun doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Your job is to party and have fun. How cool would that be? Like, Yeah, it's a lot of fun. We love it. What have been some of the other positives since running the Voices of Autism and creating the Pulse podcast? So I think um, some of the really great things that have happened um, to us that have led to great podcast episodes are um, specific interviews that we've done. We did an interview with um, a travel agent who actually had certification in autism and travel. And I don't really know where that accreditation comes from, how they get that, but um, her specialty was autism and travel. So we had her on and she was talking about, you know, setting up um, all-inclusive trips for families and going with them on these trips so that she could be a family support which I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. Are you kidding me? Send me to Hawaii. Yeah, I'll hang out with your kid. Um, but so we had her on and that gave us all kinds of inspiration to, okay, well, maybe let's go beyond that and we'll have a whole episode on travel. And we can talk about the challenges with travel and then we can have people call in and people email us and get even further into the discussion. So we've basically been able to take every opportunity we have and turn it into something we can produce. Like I've got these people that I work with, these advisors are incredibly smart people. Like for all the things that we do, I can really take no credit. These are incredibly smart people and they're dedicated to the community and we have an idea and they just run with it. It sounds like you only have to take a uh, seat back and let the others kind of, the others shine. Yeah. And watch it flourish. Well, that's the thing with the whole, you know, our, our whole name, Voices of Autism, everybody needs a stage. You know, if you have something to say and you want to say it, well, the VOA is going to make sure that you have a stage to do it. And it's so much bigger and brighter because there are so many more voices instead of just yourself. It's exactly what you need. Well, another thing that gives us inspiration is our protesters. I mean, we love our protesters. Those are the most angry with us. That's who we want to talk to. Is there something you're trying to communicate that we're clearly not hearing? So let's talk about it. Tell us what you're angry about. Let's see what we can do to make a collaboration or make it work, bring the community together rather than fight about everything, which, as you know, we have a tendency to do. With that, don't go anywhere because there will be more about the Voices of Autism, the Pulse podcast on the self-advocate on CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM with your host, Allison Klein. Join me, Derek White Sky Cloud. I am your host every Wednesday night from 5 to 6 p.m. for Métis Matters Radio, where we discuss why Métis matters and the worldwide matters of Métis people. From the past to the present, every Wednesday from 5 to 6 p.m. on Vancouver's Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. You're listening to The Self-Advocate on CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM with your host, Allison Klein. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Allison Mira. Right now, I'm talking with SF Walker, who is the manager of The Voices of Autism, and they also help run the Pulse podcast, which is a podcast about autism run by the self-advocates and the voices of autism. What have been some of the more challenging slash difficult parts of producing the Pulse podcast and managing slash running the voices of autism? So actually kind of throwing back to that last point I was making before the break um, about protesters. Um, 
something that we we find a lot is if we put out a piece of information and people don't like it we hear about it like right away you know we'll get lots of comments right away and so that kind of gives us a little bit of um direction um and so some of those really challenging things are when people say hey this isn't about autism or this this episode has nothing to do with autism and we have to sort of explain to people these aren't episodes about autism specific things this is a general podcast about all kinds of information from the autistic perspective like we don't consider ourselves experts in anything so all we do is share news and stories from our lived experience perspective you know what i mean um, and so sometimes I'll come up with, or I'll get faced with questions like, you know, this is wrong. These facts are wrong. And I'll have to say, you know, this isn't actually a fact. We were, you know, stating our opinion, which we said we were stating our opinion. Um, but you got to be nice when you respond to those things. Uh, so that's also a challenge sometimes is, you know, when you're getting a lot of backlash to step back for a second and then construct a response so on the spot things um specifically in the podcast anything that kind of comes up and is shocking well that can completely throw you off a whole tangent or topic or conversation right so those are some of the other things is when we have tough conversations they can actually be pretty tough for a lot of us we've we've had to stop podcast recording because a couple of us got upset not that we were angry but that it was such an overwhelming conversation that we had to stop and put that episode on hold and come back, like take a week off and come back to it. Um, which, you know, is, is in the grand scheme of things is not a big deal. One week is not a big deal, but when you're trying to stay on schedule, it can be a little tricky. But in terms of like, what's been really challenging for us, I guess getting the word out, trying to, trying to help people see that we don't have to argue and we don't have to agree. If we don't have to do either one of those, we can coexist. Coexist. And like what I'm finding in my research and for my master's is you might not agree, but this is just to listen to each lived experience and honor that lived experience. For the protesters saying, oh, it's not fact, it's not fact. Well, it's a fact for that person's lived experience. It might be different than your own, but exactly. It's and those are the messages we want. If if, you, if that's your perspective, come onto the show. Let's share it. Like, tell your story. Let's share that perspective, please. It needs to get out there. If if you want to say it, let's get a place for you to say it. Let's get a place for you to say it. And getting the word out there is a trick to do as well. Yeah, more people listening. And, you know, we're fortunate to have people from, I think, 12 different countries now around the world that are subscribed to us. Um, so that's really cool, too, that we're reaching people globally, not just within our community or within you know Canada or North America. It's, it's everywhere. I yeah. love seeing that. It's everywhere. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. For an autistic person who is a self-advocate and they want to make a podcast just start making a podcast mm -hmm. what's one piece of advice you would give to them i think the biggest piece of advice is know what you want to talk about once you know what you want to talk about the rest flows know what you want to talk about that's a big thing i mean i think that's way more important than having you know the right mic and the best lighting and the best sound card in your computer it's, it's so much more valuable to your podcast if you know what you want to talk about and if you don't know what you want to talk about tell some people hey i'm throwing together a podcast do you have any ideas things that you would what would you listen to to get that that feedback and know what you want to talk about yep. for this yeah exactly so that would be you know my main piece of advice is starting like where to start it's always the hardest bit right it's always the hardest bit yep for both the disability community, the self-advocacy community, and the podcast and mainstream society in general, what do you hope for the future? I think I just want to create more dialogue. Like I'm not 
I'm not looking to change the world. I'm not looking to make drastic changes in the system. I'm looking to change perspectives. And if that means that my perspective changes to something I never could have identified with before, fabulous. That's amazing. We just want people to have different experiences and perspectives and sort of understand each other. To understand each other, to change just that perspective and to talk to one another. Yeah. Have that discussion. Exactly. We need dialogue. We have to be talking with each other. And I think that's one step for better society is just having that discussion and that dialogue. I think so. I hope so. And that's what the Voices of Autism is doing, I think. We're trying. We're trying our very best. How can the listener find the Voices of Autism and find the Pulse podcast? Mm -hmm. So the, uh, the the best way you can find all of that is to visit our website, voicesofautism.com. Um, there we have information about the birthday parties, about what we do, about the podcast, uh, about community discussions that we'll be having. But that's the best place to go um, to our website. Uh, but the podcast is available on like 12 different platforms. So if you're looking for um, looking for us, look up The Pulse by Voices of Autism and you'll find us. To go visit their website, voicesofautism.com and find it on wherever you listen to your podcasts. Is there anything that you want people to know about Voices of Autism that we haven't discussed yet? I think it's really important to use your voice, whatever it is. Um, whatever you have to say, if you have something to say, it's important. If it doesn't seem like it's important to other people, it doesn't matter. It's important. If it means something to you, it's important. And that's kind of what we want to get out there is everyone's perspective is valid. Everyone's opinion is is valid because opinions are not subject or objective. They're subjective. And this is what we need. We need to be speaking with each other, to each other not about each other with each other not about each other to each other to talk with each other yeah thank you so much sf for talking with me for this episode thanks for having me i really appreciate it don't go anywhere because there will be more on the self-advocate on cfro co-op radio 100.5 fm with your host allison klein Sitting at home, flicking through your Spotify, wishing for something new. Pop on over to Bandcamp right now and search for Vancouver Co-op Radio. From there, you can see our three albums, Anthems from the Alley, Volumes 1 and 2, and From Pigeon Park to Wall Street, all available for streaming and purchase. Do you dig all three? Buy all of them for a discounted price of $15. Explore folk, alternative, progressive rock, art rock, experimental, blues, poetry, and world music. Go to Bandcamp right now and find us at Vancouver Co-op Radio. You're listening to The Self-Advocate on CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM with your host, Allison Klein. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Allison Mira. The second event that is happening April 30th to May 7th is the Festival of Literary Diversity, or the Fold, which is happening in Hamilton, Ontario, and virtually on Zoom. I talk about the Fold every year because they try to bring people and authors who do not usually get time or coverage and they have disabilities or they are part of the LGBTQIA2 plus community or they are part of the BIPOC community or intersectionalities as well. So they could be part of the BIPOC and queer community or BIPOC and disability community or the queer and disability community all rolled into one bringing more authors onto the platform to speak about their work i'm going to be talking with amanda leduc who works for the fold and is a canadian author as well 
Thank you so much, Amanda, for being on my show. Thank you so much, Allison, for having me. And just before we get started, just a, a quick note. The festival this year, um, it usually takes place in Brampton. Uh, and this year it will be in person in Brampton again as well, but we will begin our programming virtually. So from April 30th to May 3rd, the festival is run on our virtual festival platform and can be accessed from anywhere in the world, as long as you have an internet connection. And then from May 4th to May 7th, we physically take place in Brampton, Ontario. My mistake, I thought it was in Hamilton, but it's in Brampton. And you're the accessibility coordinator for the fold. Technically, my to my title, my official title is communications and development coordinator. And in my work outside of the festival, I work as an accessibility advocate. So part of the skill set and the knowledge set that I have brought to the fold over the last couple of years has been about accessibility. So we do a lot of accessibility workshops and a lot of learning together as a team about accessible practices for hosting both in person and virtual events. But my official title is Communications and Development Coordinator. You're bringing your own skill set into something that is much larger than just accessibility. But it sounds like a lot of fun to be able to bring your skill set and bring your knowledge to the fold. It is. It's. I always feel so lucky uh, in my work with the fold because it really is kind of the perfect job really. Um, it combines my interests as a writer and as a storyteller with, you know, my, my interest and in, in work in social justice and advocating for, you know, increased accessibility, increased inclusion, diversity, and all of those things. Um, so it's really kind of the, the perfect marriage of all of those things. And I work with really, really wonderful people who I also feel very lucky and blessed to call friends in addition to colleagues and co-workers. So I, I feel very lucky all around. Like we talked about in previous interviews on how you found this job on Twitter and the ability to grow within the job and grow as an author and then be able to meet so many more people. I've also noticed in previous interviews in previous years, it was either just virtual or just in person. Now it's very much a hybrid event. This yes, year. yes. So what we're calling it is multimodal. So we essentially have two modes of operating for the festival. We have our virtual programming and then we have our in-person programming. And some of our in-person sessions will be videoed and live streamed and then made available for viewing on the virtual festival platform as well. And the, the separation between the two, and we, we're trying to kind of get away from the idea of hybrid where it, everything is happening at the same, the same time time is because we've found that there's really, really key important strengths to virtual programming, to programming a ground up virtual event. Um, because it really makes you think differently about the kinds of conversations that you have and the kind of capacities that a virtual platform makes available to virtual attendees. And so it was really key for us when we when the world you know, uh, has begun, the pandemic is not over, certainly by any stretch, but as the world has begun to transition back to in-person events, we knew that keeping the virtual component was really important to us. And we wanted to keep it in such a way that it wasn't just, we go back to all in-person events and we video some of them and, you know, put them up on a, a platform for everyone to see. We didn't want it to be a kind of afterthought in that way. We really wanted to keep thinking about the strengths of virtual programming and ensuring that all of our programming going forward has some element of that, that combination of virtual and then in-person sessions going forward. That is really important to be able to, to have both virtual and in-person events, be able to make sure that people are safe, but also make sure that everyone can enjoy and the more people can enjoy as well yes, around, exactly. around the world. And I've also noticed that on the virtual event, there's 
one workshop that talks specifically on disability and writing disability differently in Canadian literature. Um, yes, yes. I'm very excited about that session. I feel quite honored um, because I get to moderate it. And I will be speaking with three authors, Susan Mockler, Eli Tadek, Beshelani Lynch, excuse me, um, and Nisi Shal, who is an American author. Uh, and the three of them all have different experiences of disability and write about disability in different ways. And the focus of the session, it's called Disabled Futures. And the focus of the session is about how thinking about disability, both in our science fiction, in our fiction, in our nonfiction, in our poetry, um, thinking about disabled futures in those realms also helps us to think about the future of disability in the real world and that kind of leap of imagination that writers often take when they think about and write about disability is really key for how we use imagination to imagine new futures for ourselves in the world that we're living in today. And I'm really, really looking forward to that discussion. It looks so interesting to just come and watch and, and learn from these authors and see how through fiction, we can bring that into our own lives into the real world as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm excited. With that, don't go anywhere because there will be more on the self-advocate on CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM with your host, Alison Klein. Howdy, folks. Tune in every Sunday afternoon from 4 to 5.30 for What the Folk, singer-songwriters, deep folk, roots music. It's all folk music. Sundays from 4 to 5.30 p.m. right here on Vancouver Co-op Radio, 100.5 FM and www.coopradio.org. You're listening to The Self-Advocate on CFRO Co-op Radio, 100.5 FM with your host, Alison Klein. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Alison Mira. Right now I'm talking with Amanda LeDuc, who is the Communications and Accessibility Director for the Festival of Literary Diversity, The Fold, which is happening April 30th to May 7th both virtually and in person in Brampton, Ontario. You said, Amanda, before the break about, about a virtual session, creating disabled futures and seeing how writers and authors are writing about disabled futures in a fictionalized way and then looking at that and trying to put that into the real world how do you see that happening and learning from that fictionalized version of disabled futures into the real world into our everyday lives mm -hmm. that's a great question Allison. thank you um, I think for me, what's key here is the word possibility. I think as a society, we have been socialized to really see disability as a kind of ending of all possibilities. People see disability as kind of a, a dead end, a sort of sad end, especially with acquired disabilities. Um, but certainly with disabilities that are congenital too, that people have them their entire lives. The wider world, the non-disabled world has really been taught to view those of us with disabilities as kind of living lives that are somehow less. Like we have lives that are not as bright as they would have been had we been born in different bodies. And really the act of imagining a world where that doesn't happen, where, you know, there are different, um, there are different things that happen there are different possibilities explored is really key to understanding that the world that we live in now can also change we grow up thinking that the world is what it is and there's no way that we can change it when actually that's just a mindset 
And if we change our mindset, if we stop thinking about disability as a dead end and instead think about it as an opportunity for creativity and innovation and on a personal level as an opportunity to take one's life perhaps in a different direction than you know you might originally have envisioned then the world becomes a much softer place it becomes a place where so many more things are possible where so much more inclusion is possible and it's really important and i talk about this in a lot of my accessibility and in storytelling work it's really important for disabled people certainly but also non-disabled people as well to see disabled people in stories and narratives and books and tv and film because when we see disabled people in these stories we start to understand and become comfortable with disabled people being in the world around us um, for example one of my favorite shows is star trek and in Star Trek Discovery, uh, in the second and third seasons, I believe, there was a background character played by the Toronto actor named George Alavizos, uh, and he's a wheelchair user. And his character on the Enterprise just wheeled around in his wheelchair from room to room. And it was lovely to see that because it was like, hey, yes, guess what? Someone in a wheelchair can be on a starship. We can imagine a world where this is possible. There's a Canadian writer by the name of Kat Gordon who has a new book coming out with Renaissance Press called Iris and the Crew Tear Through Space. And it's all about um, Iris, who is a communications officer on a ship. And she is disabled. Uh, she uh, is blind. And it's all about how the ship accommodates her life and, and has all of these technological gadgets that make being in her body, you know, a wondrous thing, um, an easy thing. And it was such a, a I, I was lucky enough to read an advanced copy of the book, and it was such a breath of fresh air to read it, because I think when we talk about disabled futures, this is what storytelling can do. This is what the power of telling stories that envision new possibilities can do. It really is the sky is the limit. Um, and unfortunately, we live in a world that for so long has has said, no, the sky is the limit does not apply to disability, right? Um, there is a limit when it comes to disability and we're not going to move beyond that. We're not going to imagine a different world that accommodates disability that you know creates accessible environments. And I'm here along with the wonderful writers that I'll be speaking to at The Fold to really help people start to understand that if we start having different conversations, if we really start doing that imaginative work of thinking about different futures, of trying to creatively problem solve issues around accessibility and inclusion, the world can be different. The sky really can be the limit. Um, and that all starts with the stories that we are exposed to, the stories that we read, and the stories that we write. And I'm, again, just really excited to have the conversation and really just grateful that there are so many wonderful writers working in Canada and around the world now who are engaging with these issues in this way. That's amazing to be able to be able to write on the attitudes of and how to change the attitudes into our society today, you have to think about it as well. You have to change the attitudes. The sky mm -hmm. it shouldn't be a limitation on the person. Yes, the person has a disability, but it shouldn't hinder that person from pursuing what they want to do. With accommodations, just getting into the building, if they want to be able to become an an engineer or a lawyer and they're a wheelchair user, easy accommodation, build those ramps, have an elevator so you can get into the building. Why shouldn't that be a hindrance? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Or blind, like in that advanced copy of the book that you talked about, where the character is blind, but there are accommodations so that it's the person's life is just as normalized as everybody else. 
Exactly. What are you looking most forward to at the fold this year? Oh, I, <laughs> that's always a hard question for me because I enjoy it um, right from beginning to end. I enjoy every element of the festival. And I, I think, I guess, I guess the thing that I look forward to most is the community. Just the being around authors and being around attendees who are excited to be there and listen to authors in both the virtual and the in-person spaces, it's such a gift. Uh, I really feel blessed to be able to do this work and very, very fortunate to be able to connect people in, in ways that I love and in spaces that I love. So that's that's probably it. It's always a lot of work, obviously, for, for our staff and our volunteers. And I am so grateful always to all of the work that everyone puts in to make Fold the unique and special space that it is. Um, and I'm, I'm just glad that, you know, we will be able to share all of that together. Attendees and staff and authors and volunteers all alike. It's a very special time. And yeah, it's, it's going to be great to be a part of it. It sounds like it's so much fun to be able to see those connections made mm -hmm. with the authors and the attendees, the audience members. Yes, for sure. For those who are part of the disability community who want to become an author and speak at the fold, what's one piece of advice you would give to them? Mm-hmm. Um, well, as a literary festival, we promote authors, as you say, um, and what we really love to do is to be able to promote authors who have a book out in the world because we like to encourage audiences to buy the books and to read the books and to allow the books to change their minds and their ways of thinking. So kind of the first, the first thing that you want to do is really build a body of work um, be it essays that you publish online or stories that you publish online or a book that you publish, um, you know, in, in book form. And it doesn't have to be published with a traditional publisher. It can be self-published work. Um, the first step is to have that body of work to reference. And then our festival happens in May. So we take pitches for the festival in October and November of the year prior to a given festival. So for example, if you wanted to appear as an author at Fold 2024 next year, you would send us a pitch about your book and what your book is about and the media attention that it has gotten in October and November of 2023. And then we receive all of the pitches and we review all of them. And that's full staff and our volunteer planning team. We go through everything and then we curate our festival list based on all of the submissions that we receive. And it's a, a quite a competitive process now. We usually get over 250 pitches in a year and we only feature around 30 to 40 authors at a given festival. So um, if you do pitch your book to us and you know we, we don't get back to you about a particular festival, please just try again in the future. Um, we, as I say, we receive many more pitches than we can accept. But that first step really is creating that body of work, creating that book or creating those stories or essays um, that you know are out there in the world so that we know that you have work that you are passionate about talking, talking about and, and um, connecting with a writer community. To write a body of work and then pitch it and not give up, keep on pitching, keep on pitching because yes. it is quite competitive. It is, yes. We do talk about this, about changing attitudes for the future. What else do you hope for the future for the disability community and writing and the literary community in Canada and around the world? Mm, another great question, Alison. Thank you. Um, what I hope for, for the disability community and the writing communities in Canada and around the world, I think right now we're at a really unique time of storytelling where we are um, alive to and aware of the fact that disabled writers, um, as with many other marginalized groups, um, have not, you know, historically had the opportunity to share their stories and see their stories gain a platform in the same way as non-disabled people have. 
Um, and so publishers are aware of this and they're actively trying to promote disabled voices and marginalized voices and that is all really, really great. But I think because there have been so few own voices, if you will, own voices, disabled stories out there, all of the stories that come out right now carry a lot of responsibility and a lot of weight. And, you know, it, it can happen where a book may be published and there may be questions or criticisms about the representation in that book. People say things like, oh, you know, this character is not disabled enough in this particular way, or this disabled character's experience is not like my disabled character's experience or my disabled experience, therefore it's invalid. And what I would really like to see, and I do think it will happen over, over time, it's just for more and more and more and more disability representation to come out in books, in TV, in film. And I really encourage publishers and TV executives and all of the people, you know, making the decisions about media content, not to be afraid of the kind of criticism that may come with certain kinds of representation, because the reality is that there is no perfect way to be disabled in the world. Every person's experience of disability, of their own particular disability, is valid. And it's impossible to have all of those experiences encapsulated in one TV show or in one book. And sometimes decision makers can get afraid of those kinds of criticisms. I have cerebral palsy, for example, and you know, if someone says, oh, well, your characters walk with cerebral palsy and I'm not someone with cerebral palsy who can walk. So therefore your, you know, experience that you put in this book, it doesn't connect with me. If a publisher sees that and says, well, you know, we, we don't like this criticism, so we're not going to publish we're not going to publish any disability representation books anymore because it's just too difficult, it's too complicated, then that continues the problem of there not being enough representation. So I really encourage all the decision makers to just push on through these criticisms and just keep publishing disabled stories in whatever shape and form they take up, especially disabled stories by disabled creators. We need more disabled creators putting content out into the world and eventually, hopefully, we will get to a point where there are so many disability stories out there that they will all be resonating with someone's disability experience in some way. But it's going to take a while for us to get there because, as I said at the beginning, um, it's been a really long time without disabled creators actually being able to tell their own stories. And we have existed in a, a space in a time where disability stories have traditionally been written by able-bodied non-disabled people. And that's changing um, and we just need to keep that wave going. We need to keep promoting and uh, you know, celebrating the work of disabled creators in whatever form, however imperfect they may be. Um, we just need to keep doing it. Do more, do more. Flood the market with disability stories is what I say. Flood the market with disability stories. And the yep. more the stories, the more you can find yourself in a character. You'll find that representation. Exactly. Nothing about us without us. Yep. To have that someone with a disability to be able to write instead of looking from the outside in. Exactly. How can the listener attend either the virtual event or the in-person event in Brampton at the Fold this year? Yes. So uh, we have a link to the registration page on our website. If you go to www.thefoldcanada.org, the registration button is right there on the main page. You just click the registration button and it will take you to our registration page and registration system. And you can choose from a variety of passes. So we have a virtual only pass, which is $20. And that will give you access to all of the festival's virtual content. And then we have a virtual plus in-person pass. 
And then a virtual plus in-person pass is $45. And the virtual plus in-person pass gives you access to all of the virtual events and all of the in-person events in Brampton on Saturday, May 6th. And then we have some specialty tickets for specialty events. Uh, we have an event on Thursday, May 4th, an event on Friday, May 5th, and then an event on Sunday, May 7th. And all three of these events have separate tickets of their own, but you can register for them all on the main registration page. So again, that's www.thefoldcanada.org. Click register and it will take you to our registration page and you can pick your pass or your specialty event or your pass and your specialty event from there. So go check and register for The Fold on their website, thefoldcanada.org. The listener find you, Amanda. So I am, I have a website at amandaleduc.com. And then I am also on Instagram at amanda.leduc. And those are the two spaces where I'm mostly online these days. So go check Amanda out as well on her website and on instagram thank you so much amanda for talking with me today thank you so much for having me allison it's always a pleasure this has been the self-advocate on cfro co-op radio 100.5 fm with your host allison Klein. you can find me on instagram and twitter at allison mira If you missed any part of this show or want to listen to it again, you can find it on Spotify Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts. To end out this show, let's put on our theme song, Better Miracle by Kiprios. Kiprios is a Vancouver-based rapper. Even though he doesn't have a disability, the song Better Miracle talks about having a better tomorrow, but not a miracle. Enjoy more programming, everyone. Today, my window, the sun, Came through today. Was a day I thought I'd look to my window. Felt the pain that I knew. The sun heard about it when he came to. Came through. Good looking out. I needed you today. Was a day that didn't need rain. My window looked to me to make a change. The sun rising to the occasion. Came through. Good looking out. I needed you. Oh 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 oh. myself i'm gonna be okay remember back then i've come a long way the dream may never ever be the same but came true get here with you and that'll do i know the road i'm on is not an easy way remember that i will define the path i take the dream yeah i'm a dreamer what can i say came true get here with you and that'll do i feel it's in my fingers i know it's in my soul now don't need i don't need a miracle just want to get a little better I feel it's in my fingers, I know it's in my soul now, don't need, I don't need a miracle, just want to get a little better, oh, oh. I'm not asking for a Forget, never mind the hope, the hope.
ain't enough, but it's alive and love. Your love is the one to get me by my life. It's never too late to get it right. Memories sit for my mind throughout the night. Your hope helps me cope with my life and love. Your love is the one to get me by. Just want to get a little better. I feel it's in my 